the Cannabis Heals Me podcast, episode 111. You're listening to the Cannabis Heals Me podcast, where we explore the real stories of real people who have discovered the profound healing properties of the cannabis plant in their own lives. Find more at CannabisHealsMe.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Cannabis Heals Me podcast. This is your host, Rachel Kennerly, and I'm coming to you once again from the Storybook Inn Studios. Thank you so much for joining me again today. I apologize for not having an episode out last week like I told you I was going to. We had a minor health complication with one of our family members, and I don't want to go into a lot of details because she would probably not appreciate me sharing this with all of my listeners, but she is in pretty good shape right now, and I'm able to devote a little more time to working and editing the podcast, and here we are. I had thought about releasing the episode last week a little late, but I really like these episodes, these healing episodes to come out consistently on Mondays. So I just decided to wait and put it out this week. Again, I want to thank you for your patience and willingness to let me slide every now and then and really hope that after these little hiccups over the past month or so, we're able to get back on track and get these episodes out regularly. I will probably only do the educational episodes maybe twice a month, not every week like I was doing a few months ago. It's just too much to edit everything. And Speaking of editing, I'm just going to have to do less editing after I get the episodes done. I try to go and remove a lot of the ums or tongue clicks or things like that, and I just end up spending way too much time in the editing process. So if you notice over the next few episodes that the guests are saying um a little more often, it's not because those guests say um a lot. It's just because I was going and deleting them previously, and I just don't have the time to spend editing. The interviews are the easy part. It's just the going back and editing out and and getting everything cleaned up and ready for you guys is the hardest part. At the end of the day, I think I really just need to focus on getting content out to you guys because I really hate that I have had so many lulls of late putting out content. So I'm going to have to quit being such a perfectionist when it comes to the editing process and just get the episodes out to you guys. As always, I am open to constructive criticism, so you can send me an email podcast at CannabisHillsMe.com. Now, this is normally the time that I ask you guys to go out and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app and give us a rating or a review on the podcast app. But since you guys already know that I'm going to tell you that, I'm going to skip it today and just go ahead and introduce our guest, Our guest today is Marlies Fitch Ledbetter. She is the CEO and founder of Indie Hemp Company. She's a certified cannabis consultant and trainer, a national educator, a speaker, and an author. She also found healing through the cannabis plant, so I invited her on to tell her story. Marlies, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I run across people in the most unlikely Facebook groups. Well, maybe it's not that unlikely in a Crunchy Woodlands Facebook group. (laughs) Right. (laughs) To run across somebody who uses cannabis as medicine. And I'm not even sure how I wound up in that group, but I think a friend invited me to it. And I'm like, hey, what the heck? Yeah, it's a great group. Uh, So informational and so many places for people to go online to get, um, you know, expertise from people that do use uh, herbal medicines. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's been a great group. And uh, as I've tried to kind of learn a little bit more about vaccines and that sort of thing, it's been a great group for that as well. Awesome. I can't even remember what the post was. Uh, somebody was asking a question, and then I saw something you had kind of 
not shared your whole story, but just shared a little bit about cannabis as medicine. I'm like, oh, I need to reach out to her. So I was wondering, and then when I when I did reach out to you, you tell me why I'm a, a speaker on a national level and you know, I have my own company and I'm like, wow. So <laughs> I, I wanted if I wondered if you could share with folks maybe a little bit about your medical background and how you came to discover cannabis as medicine, because it's not the default for position for most people in America and particularly not in Texas. Sure. Absolutely. Um, my fascination with cannabis actually started in high school. I wrote a paper on the prohibition of, um, uh, psychedelics and wow, you were way ahead of the times. I, I probably was. That's I was awesome. Really, really interested because it was something that, w- that became very popularized, um, in the, in the nineties mm-hmm. and, um, and cannabis to me was something that I never really was, um, I, I never had access to, I, my parents didn't use it. They weren't hippies, even though they were in, you know, the hippie times. Um, and, uh, and so I wrote this paper on the prohibition and, um, found all these incredible studies on psychedelics and the history of cannabis and, you know, Jesus using it and it being in the Bible and, um, how it was used for, you know, as long as humans probably have been alive, you know, we have carbon dated rope back to, you know, tens of thousands of years ago. And I just, it was really fascinating to me that all of a sudden we prohibited something that no one's ever died from. And so I started really uncovering how much greed and power really went into it. And it wasn't even about marijuana. It was really more about hemp and the textiles and biofuels and all of the ways that hemp could be used were going to threaten the cotton and petrochemical and lumber industries and things like that. And and then I saw, you know, it unfurl in front of me when I started having a lot of medical issues um, in my 20s. And going back quite a bit of ways is um, I actually was born with some disabilities. My dad was in Vietnam and he was exposed directly to Agent Orange. He actually sprayed it on the jungles from his helicopter, oh, uh, wow. loaded it into his, into, his, um, into his machine. And, um, and so he had direct uh, exposure. And it wasn't until probably later earlier in my twenties that we realized what it really was that was affecting me. Um, but when I was born, I was born with two different size legs and the doctors told my parents, you know, we're not really sure her right leg's ever going to grow. And this is very indicative. We've seen this with a lot of Vietnam vets where their children are born, you know, without arms or with, you know, stunted legs and mm. different types of disabilities. And so my parents, you know, really poured all of their time into me and, and researched what they could possibly do. And we had tons of procedures, um, different things to stunt the growth of my other leg to, you know, push the, the, the um, growth of my right leg. But of course I ended up developing scoliosis. And then I started having issues with neuropathy. I started losing feeling in my hands and feet and I was a dancer. Um, and so all of a sudden I would dance for an hour and then my hands would be numb for like three days. Oh, wow. And then I started developing um, attention deficit disorder. I was um, had some issues with uh, bipolar disorder, and I was medicated. When I got to college, my medicine wasn't really properly managed because I wasn't with my same doctor, and things kind of took took a turn for the worse. And I was on my second suicide attempt. Oh my gosh! And that was when my friend said, you know, maybe you should try using cannabis in the evenings. Just use it just to go to bed um, in an edible form. And I was like, I'm down for it because these, I think these medicines are making me crazy. And I don't think I was ever crazy to begin with. I think that I had some, you know, maybe chemical imbalances and hormones and things like that when I was a teen, but definitely, definitely not the level that I felt I truly was. 
Um, and so I started using cannabis at night and, um, and right at 20 years old, I decided to kind of take a turn and start studying psychology and the human brain. Even though my, my background is in music, my excitement is in human healing in, in all the medicines and all the plants of the world. And so I really started enveloping myself into that and, and surrounding myself with healers. And, uh, and then, you know, we, we continued to use cannabis. Um, and then when I moved back to Texas, it was very, very strict here and I couldn't get access to it. And so I went back to medications and sure enough, um, I was, uh, I think, around nine to 12 medications. And it was, it was for everything that was going on. Um, and they were starting to interact with each other and I started losing time. And, um, so my, my husband would always say like, Oh, she just daydreams a lot, but I was actually having seizures, which I didn't know oh, wow. were a type of seizures where you just kind of blank out. Um, I was losing time. I wasn't, I wasn't remembering things. My work was suffering, um, at my job. And then sure enough, I had a grand mal seizure and, uh, and when I fell, I hit my head on the tub Oh goodness! and cracked open my skull, went to the hospital, was not conscious for a while. Um, and they had to actually release the pressure out of my brain. And that was the moment when I came home and, and had to start therapy and learn how to, you know, write again. My, I couldn't use my hand properly. I couldn't finish sentences. Words completely disappeared out of my vocabulary. Oh wow! And, um, and my husband came home and he was like, we're going to go back to plant medicine and we're going to find a way to do this. You know, a lot of people let's figure out how we can get back, um, to being healthy because he's like, I, you know, the pills did this. There is no reason why you should have been having seizures or any of these side effects other than the medication. And so I went through six months of um, withdrawals and therapy and all kinds of stuff. And, and that was really the trigger for me to say more people need to understand that plant medicine should be your first option, not your yes. last resort. And that's where my passion comes from. Wow. So when you were using plant-based medicine, was, was that all you were using? You weren't using any pharmaceuticals at the time? Uh, yes, I was, I was not using any pharmaceuticals other than an ADHD medication. And that was really, really working well for me. Uh, but when we came back to Texas, you know, they, we just didn't have access to the plants that we wanted. Texas was very much behind, um, in the ways of, let's say the, the crunchy opportunities. And I didn't know a lot of people that were into holistic practices. Um, now I do clearly, <laughs> But I didn't know a lot of people. I, all my friends were in California or they were in Hawaii or in Washington State. And, and they had access to everything they needed. And, and that's what we were used to. So it was very frustrating to come here and, and find out that really. And I was very picky about what I was going to use. So I wanted to make sure it was organic, that we knew where the farm was, um, that we knew what was in the products, that it was pesticide free and all of these things. And you just couldn't get that here. I mean, God knows what you would pick up. They would be like, well, you want some stuff here. It is. We have no idea what strain it is. We have no idea what's in it. Um, we don't know where it comes from. And and that, I wasn't okay with that. So I wasn't about to put it in my body regardless of what it was called. So I, you know, that's when I went back to the medication and, and that wasn't the route that I needed to take. Yeah. That's the dangers of the black market that mm -hmm. we have right now is that, that patients have no protections. They have no idea where it comes from, what's been used on it. And these are people that already have health problems. And the last thing you want to do is exacerbate those by putting pesticides and mold and whatever else into your body. 
Absolutely. I mean, sometimes that can be the biggest trigger. We've even seen that in the CBD market where people have bought products off of Amazon and their symptoms get worse. And, uh, and then we, you know, properly dose them and we think that there's no reason why this should happen. And we had some bottles tested and we found abnormal levels of pesticides, heavy metals, chemical solvents. And even one bottle we tested had E. coli in it. Oh my gosh. And that's just from CBD Amazon. (laughs) Like that scares the heck out of me. And that's why I was so passionate about finding a brand that I could partner with, that I knew exactly where the farm was, how it was processed and that it was USDA certified organic. And that, you know, I don't want to lower my standards for myself, for my family, for my pets, my daughter, and nor any of my clients. I mean, this, my practice has grown so much and people look to us, to the people in this industry for guidance. And it's unfortunately filled with people that are opportunistic and are looking for fast cash and, and, offering products to people that are imported from China. I mean, 80% of some of, uh, of most of the CBD that's on the market in retail stores, you know, pop-up stores and things like that is from China. And we have wow. no idea what's in it. And that scares me. Yeah. And, and I think it's because there is no regulation. Not that I'm a big proponent of regulation because it doesn't really seem to be that effective a lot of times. But one of the things that we we try to stress here is like, look, you have to take responsibility for your health and you have got to ask for testing. Don't buy this stuff on Amazon. Don't buy it at the gas station. You've got to ask for third party testing to make sure that what you're putting in your body is what they say it is. We've, we've come to rely on government regulation far too much with and we don't take personal responsibility for our own health and well-being. Yeah, I definitely think it should be a privatized regulation and definitely not necessarily as, you know, a government. Um, I'd like to see some sort of registry bank made mm-hmm. um, and biofencing, uh, I'm sorry, uh, geofencing so that we know where things are grown here in Texas. I mean, I think Texas could probably do a really good job of regulating the cannabis industry yes. um, in the way that it needs to be, because we've seen some other states like California and Tennessee just go wild ham. And they're, I mean, it's hurting them more than it's helping them. And then of course the taxes in California are a whole nother story. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the crazy thing is that is the taxes when it's like 40%. It's like, how do you expect people to pay that, especially patients who are often on disability payments or not working? It's like Mm -hmm. they can't afford to pay a 40% tax on that stuff. And so the black market is continuing to thrive. And then they say, well, y'all said if we legalized it, the black market would go away. No, I mean, it's all about pricing because, I mean, and I would like to see and, and be a proponent of having, you know, plant, teaching people how to do the cult, the cultivation of the plant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if you have a couple of plants in your house, I mean, one plant, if it's if it's grown right, can yield a pound of product. And um, and so two pounds of product will last somebody quite a long time, if not Absolutely. Like a year. Um, so I would love to see that be, be something that, um, people learn how to do is cultivate their own plants. Um, and, and there are strains we will find that will work beautifully in Texas. We just haven't had enough research yet. So I'm sure that's going to be coming down the, down the path very, very soon. Um, and, and, and and again, the black market thrives because of price, because when you go to some of these dispensaries, the price is astronomical for these, um, 
for these strains. Now, mm -hmm. of course, you've got certain types of strains that are very rare and different types of breeding for certain types of things. Um, but most people really don't want to necessarily get super high. They just want for symptom relief. They want to be able to live their lives. And medicinal strains are, are extremely effective. But the price gouging, I mean, when you go to a, a medicinal location and you go to a recreational, the price is so vastly different. Yeah. You you can get an eighth for $30, $40. And then you go over to a medicinal place and it's $300 for some capsules. I mean, wow. to me, that makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. Um, and then you see things like Epidiolex, which is basically CBD and a couple other synthetics in a seizure, me seizure medication. Mm -hmm. And it costs people tens of thousands of dollars for CBD. Right when I can buy CBD for nothing. So it just makes me so frustrated that it is all over the place. And I think really it's going to come down to people growing their own plants or working with local farmers and buying products from people that they can trust. And, uh, and I think that we'll start seeing that change. And we've got a lot of people in Texas that are proponents of really helping Texas, you know, do its own way. Uh, make the cannabis industry the way that Texas has always done good things. <laughs> right. And and it'll be interesting to see how things play out because they've just now gotten the licenses and people are starting to to plant their crops. So it'll be interesting to see how this, this new industry in Texas plays out. Oh, yeah. And, and how their yields do <laughs> because our weather is all over the place. I worry about when we get a, a you know heat wave coming in that our um, the THC levels will go hot. Yeah. Um, and so I would like to see regulation above 0.3% THC mm -hmm. because, you know, people talk about hemp and marijuana. I mean, hemp and marijuana are both slang terms and, um, really it's all cannabis, just varying levels and strains and terpenes and things like that. And I don't think people really understand that, which is why I want to be out there educating that people realize it is all the same. It's just they're bred and, and grown for different reasons and different levels and different cannabinoid profiles. Um, but it's all the same. Um, and I'd like to see it around 1% for our grow here because of the weather changes, because I don't want to see a grower, you know, have hundreds of acres of crop. And then we have a heat wave come in and it, and it goes hot and they have to burn it. I mean, mm -hmm. that just sounds, it seems asinine to me for that to be the solution. So I'd like to see that, that, that raise the bar a little bit higher. Well, I'd love to see that too, but I don't know that we're going to see a lot of reasonable policy with regards to hemp production in Texas because the people that are regulating it know the least about it. Mm -hmm, that's true. <laughs> and the more that we can educate, the better. I mean, I've, I've definitely done, I feel like a good job of educating all of the local, um, you know, commissioners and, mm -hmm. um, uh, police officers and things like that in my area. Um, I definitely know that I am very, very vocal. <laughs> and there's a lot of people in political uh, power that that do follow my page um, and my, my personal profile as well. So I know that they get the information because I've seen them like things and comment on things. But I think that the biggest proponent is going to be how Texas can make money off of it and what, mm -hmm. what kind of jobs can be created. And I really think the industrial side is where Texas is going to thrive. And I think that'll help help make people realize how much opportunity there is on the industrial side, on the hemp side, and um, and then how it parlays with the medicine side as well. So I think it's just going to be just as time goes on, more people are going to understand it. Yeah, I agree with that. It's all about education. I mean, CBD was CBD oil was still illegal until the middle of last year. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was, and I was selling it in a store way before that, which is funny, but I do know the district attorney and, and people, you know, I assured them that, and I showed them lab reports that we did not have any THC in any of our products. And so I was able to do that for a couple mm-hmm. of years, kind of under the radar, um, because I wasn't, you know, threatening society, quote unquote, with anything THC. And then finally, Texas, you know, loosened up the reins and we went, uh, I think it was what June of last year, they allowed full spectrum. And that's really when the beauty started shining of what, you know, we could really do with this, with this product. I want to go back to your, your personal story and just, I always like to ask people this. I'm always curious to see how their family responded to to them telling or how how was what was your parents response when you told them that you were using cannabis as medicine and and how long did you kind of hide it from them or did you uh yeah i i hid it from them for quite a long time i mean i think they knew i was using in college but i it didn't affect my grades necessarily i mean a lot of the issues i had were more based on the the prescriptions Mm -hmm. that i was on and so um when I decided to start taking CBD and started getting the results, and this was before CBD truly came out nationally, I mean, 2013, 2014, and I started telling them the benefits, you know, my neuropathy was going away, um, my back, I, you know, I have discomfort in my back almost yeah. every single day because I have scoliosis now. And then I'd, it's um, developed a spinal stenosis and degenerative disc disorder. And then I have some nerve damage on my left side of my back. And when I started telling my, my family and friends about it, they were, of course, very curious. Um, but, but, you know, my dad, you know, my parents were born in the 40s. They were very, very conservative Republicans. And uh, they really pushed back for about, I would say, six months to nine months. But then they started seeing me thrive and started seeing me stand more upright. And, you know, I didn't have headaches anymore, all these things that were that were issues. And so, of course, they were curious. Um, so I started with topical and, and introducing the topical. Uh, they were afraid of ingesting it still. And then they started telling their friends. And so I was making these bombs and, and salves and, and massage oils and things just out of our house and selling it to just family and friends. And people were like, I want more. I want more. I want more. And that's what made me realize I probably should probably partner with a company that can do this because I can't whole, I, I don't want to get an industrial kitchen. I don't want to have to deal with all of that. And so yes. um, I started distributing or just buying in bulk and, and getting a discount and then, you know, marking it up to retail. And then that grew. And then I decided, you know, I should probably get certified. And I was following Dr. Ethan Russo and Dr. Dustin Sulak, uh, Dr. Gregory Smith, uh, Dr. Rachel Knox, a bunch of others. And I started going to seminars, jumping on webinars. Um, I read all the books I could possibly find. Um, And I had already been quite um, versed in cannabis because I knew how to, you know, cultivate Mm -hmm. it. I knew what it was good for. I definitely knew about cannabinoids, but I didn't know about the minor cannabinoids. I didn't know a lot about the acids, um, definitely not the varins. And, um, and so then I started learning about that and just became obsessed. So that's when I decided to actually go and get certified, get some one-on-one time with some of the doctors that I had studied under. And then, you know, now, I speak and teach other people. So it's, it's all out there. The information people need to know is definitely out there. I mean, there are tons of 
thing, videos to watch on YouTube, hundreds and hundreds of, of great books that have medical references. Um, there's a few that I have that are like encyclopedias that are thousands of different research studies from ac across the world, um, you know, double blind placebos. And so many people say it's not proven. And I, and I tell them I have books to prove you wrong right. because it is proven. And, and honestly, I mean, it's been stifled for so, so long what it can do for deadly diseases too. Um, and we know now that the FDA and uh, several pharmaceutical companies actually have patents on certain strains for cancers and seizure disorders and multiple sclerosis and Parkinson's and all of these other things that have been, stayed very hush-hush. And I always say, like, well, why why do they have patents if they didn't think that it worked? If there's no medicinal benefit right. and it's still a Schedule <laughs> One drug, then right. why do they have patents on it? Right, exactly. And I, and that's what I'm trying to fight. And I want people to vote uh, with their minds and and make and make them realize that, you know, even our government knows that it has medicinal benefits and it cannot kill you. I mean, really, there there are no true deaths from marijuana. Now, we all know that underlining conditions can be exacerbated by any type of product that you take. I mean, you take you drink too much caffeine, you can have a heart attack. Mm -hmm. So um, anything that has been researched and shown to be a marijuana marijuana related death um, is just unfortunately not really true. But it's such a small amount. I mean, when you think about the opioid crisis and heroin and the meth problems, I mean, it makes me so sad that we've allowed this to happen. And and honestly, marijuana is not the gateway drug alcohol is and prescription pills are. Um, and, I, yes. and we found that out when my husband recently went sober and we talked to a lot of other people that were recovering addicts and they said alcohol absolutely mm -hmm. was the gateway drug because your body is so depressed the next day that you look for something more and more and more to comfort the problems that you're put, that you're putting into your body. Same with, with prescription drugs. I'm, I work with people that are trying to get off Lonapin or Ativan and things like that. And I mean, they, they're, they have insomnia for weeks and they're, they think they're going crazy. And it's like, <laughs> these are prescription drugs that we're giving to people. I mean, these are, these are very popular and it scares the heck out of me. Yeah. I've, I've had several people on the program that have come off of antidepressants and they still struggle with wanting those substances like months and years later. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it never it, it really changes your chemical composition. And, and that's one thing that's beautiful about cannabis is that you might start feeling better, but you, you actually start feeling more like yourself. And I tell people every time I do a, a talk, I feel like I'm back to the girl that I remember I was in fifth grade before life really started happening before I, you know, my hormones kicked in before I was bullied or anything like that. I'm just the happiness and joy that I naturally had in my heart. And, and I felt like a light sparked inside of me again. I could think clearer. My memory was fantastic. And I was meeting all the right people again. It was like the, all, even my, my outward energy had changed and the right people were in my life and the wrong people exited. And it's like this beautiful journey in the cannabis community. And there's really in the true cannabis community, there is no hate. There's right. all, all love. And, um, and we, we truly, I mean, not necessarily worship this medicine, but I mean, thinking of it as something that will always enhance our bodies and our, and, and we're made for it. That's the other thing. I could talk yeah. about the endocannabinoid system all day long and people, they don't even realize how it works. Um, and that there are lots of herbs and medicines that access the endocannabinoid system and, um, and that they are, they, our bodies are perfectly primed and that CBD and THC and all of these things don't actually heal us. It is an activator for our bodies to heal ourselves. 
And so people think, oh, I need to take more CBD. I need to smoke more marijuana. I need to do all of this to, to, you know, make myself feel better. And it's like, really, you just have to hit an activation point for your body to kind of turn the lights on. And then your body kind of does the rest. It just depends on how chronic your issues are. I mean, if you've lived with really horrific disorders your whole life, you can't expect them to be gone in six weeks. It just isn't, it's not, that's not a realistic expectation. So some people that come in, I say, you know, you might have two to three years in your journey. I mean, it's been seven years for me, right? Seven years of, of CBD and 15 years of cannabis. Um, not all consistent, of course, because I couldn't get access to it or it wasn't the right strain or, um, you know, I couldn't make it properly or whatever, but I mean, it is a journey, but it's definitely not something that pills could ever take care of because those I consider only band-aids. Um, and some people do need some different types of medications to regulate chemical imbalances or reduce inflammation. I mean, there are definitely diseases out there that need medicine. And I, I, I feel like holistic and traditional medicine can be beautifully blended together, but our doctors need to change the way that they treat their patients and they need to be looking for long-term care. They need to teach people how to be healthy again, especially seeing what coronavirus has kind of done to the country. And you look at the people that have been most affected and those are the ones with underlying conditions, mm -hmm. immune, you know, immune issues, and really morbid obesity has been clearly a, a big trigger. We saw that in Louisiana. And, um, and so I'd like to teach people like not only using cannabis, but using other medicines that are you know provided by earth and how to live healthy, how to, you know, defeat the things that are attacking us every day. I mean, there's billions of bacteria and viruses around us all the time. And this mm -hmm. is not one thing that is going to kill us all off. Like there, we've already had a lots of things that we've had, um, you know, been accessed to, but we have to fight our, we have to make our body strong. And, um, and I say, please help me let you build that shield. Let me teach you all the things that can protect you and make you healthy and, and eating, you know, non-processed foods and getting rid of things that are, you know, chemical based and, and even in our skincare and our hair products and our makeup, that's one thing, another industry that's totally poorly regulated. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's actually no regulation for it all. And you see like breast cancers and ovarian cancers just from like access to baby powder. Remember that whole thing? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a billion dollar lawsuit for Johnson & Johnson's baby powder having chemicals in it causing breast cancer and ovarian cancer. I mean, that just if that it doesn't shock you enough that that hundreds of thousands of people have died from possible exposure to things we use every day. Why are we losing our minds over cannabis? Right. Exactly. You know, it just doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> so that's why you, you'll probably see me more and more on those pages, um, you know, fighting for the right for education and, and letting people know what this plant truly does and, and all the ways to use it. And, and people don't even realize that there are so many ways just to, to mix it into your products and use it as a, as a daily supplement. Even if you don't have anything wrong with you, it is always good to elevate your life and protect your body. Um, so is, that's, that's why I created Indie Hemp Company. And that's, that, that's the business that I started um, uh, four years ago. It was kind of just an idea. Um, I, I was kind of toying around uh, the, um, the, the idea of independence, you know, not having um, regulation mm -hmm. or, you know, government on top of us. And then also the Indian hemp uh, uh, that was written by um, William O'Shaughnessy. So, um, and, and that was kind of where Indie Hemp came from, but it was really not to sell CBD. I didn't want to have a retail store. I didn't want to, you know, have a franchise or anything like that. Cause I wanted freedom. I really want 
just to travel and, and enjoy people and meet people and educate. And so I decided to create it as an educational consultancy where people can come in, get private consultation, sit down with me one-on-one. -on -one. We talk about their background, all of the things that could possibly be triggers to why they're not feeling well. And then we kind of just start pulling back the layers of the onion. And uh, I work with their doctors. We have doctors on our staff. We have doctors, nurses, therapists, um, a pharmacist, and a holistic nutritionist. Um, we have um, partnerships with lots of people that do body code and essential oils, um, raindrop therapy, different types of therapies. And, and we refer them, they refer me. And it, it's really this beautiful conglomeration of educators for holistic nutrition um, and plant medicine. And, and I hope to continue to grow that and, um, and use Indie Hemp as a place for people to go to for education. Um, you know, 90% of my page is education. My website has a blog where you can literally sit there for hours learning about why the endocannabinoid system works how it does and maybe why CBD didn't really work for you because you were probably taking too much. You saturated your receptors or how to do a reset or how to put it in your belly button or why to put it in your skincare and all of these things. Um, and that's really just what I'm about is, is education because I feel like there's still so many people that are living under that rock that are, that are ready to come out. They just need the right person to talk to them. Yeah. Well, where can folks follow you? Um, like what's your webpage address? Where can folks follow you as far as social media goes? Sure. So my, my website is www.indiehempco.com. That's I N D I E H E M P C O.com. And then my Facebook is the same Indie Hemp Co as well as Instagram at Indie Hemp Co. And, uh, and then of course they can follow my personal page where I do post a lot of education as well. And, uh, and then I'm also part of the society of cannabis clinicians, which is headed by uh, Dr. Ethan Russo and Dr. Dustin Sulak amongst, you know, tons of other world renowned cannabis clinicians. And I don't, have a medical background. It is just something that I've really become passionate about. And I partner with med with, with people that are registered and, and certified uh, medicinal healers and, and traditional doctors. And they take that part, the brunt of it off of me. <laughs> but um, but my, my expertise is truly um, cannabis and other types of, you know, healing um, substances. And so I would love and invite people to, you know, message us. You can message us on our website, on our Facebook page, and uh, and just come for education. I, I Every day at 1220 and 420, <laughs> we share uh, informational um, and educational pieces on our on our Facebook page. That's awesome. And, uh, and so that's where people can go to learn about new laws, you know, different types of studies being released. Uh, and, and we have lots and lots of partnerships with all types of different resources. And, uh, and sometimes I'll even just go on and read you a chapter of a book that meant a lot to me. It's, it's a lot of fun to help people. And, and I love seeing that community grow and I hope it continues to grow. Yeah, that's great. I, I'm going to include links to everything that you've mentioned here today on the show notes for today's episode. And I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your story. I think I, I would like to have you come back. I know we only got a, a limited amount of time today, but I'm going to go back and re-listen and mm -hmm. you've mentioned a couple of things and I'm like, Oh, I'd really like to hear her talk more about that. So sure. maybe we could talk more about like um, hemp or CBD or something like that. Along oh, I'd those love lines. To. 
I could yeah. dive in. We could we could go down a rabbit hole and probably every single thing you can think of. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I like rabbit holes. I spend a Me lot too. of time in there, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We all do. That's part of being curious. I mean, it's important to be enlightened. And, and honestly, those are the two things I look for in life is freedom and enlightenment. And mm-hmm. then until you find those two things, I don't think that you can truly be happy. Yeah, and that's my personal goal. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thanks a lot, Marlise. I hope you have a great rest of your weekend. You too. Good luck with your event. Oh, yes. It's going to be fun running the gauntlet. (laughs) Uh, Okay. I'm glad you're getting out. (laughs) All right. Thanks a bunch. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. Show notes for today's episode can be found out at CannabisSealsMe.com slash 111. I will be back here on Thursday this week for another educational episode. I decided, given everything that's going on in the world right now, to have Scott Horton come on and talk about SWAT raids and how the war on drugs has increased the use of SWAT raids. We also kind of ping some ideas off of one another for how we can end the police state as it exists today. So you guys won't want to miss that episode. We'll be back here on Thursday. Have a great week, and thank you so much for listening. Hit the subscribe button and you'll never miss an episode of the Cannabis Heals Me podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or whatever podcast app you're using. Do you have a suggestion for a guest on Cannabis Heals Me? Send an email to podcast at CannabisHealsMe.com. We'd love to hear from you. Please do not take any information from Cannabis Heals Me or its guests as medical advice. Contact your licensed physician before taking cannabis or using it for medical treatments.